Welcome to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. The Hunter's Advantage Podcast exists to educate hunters and share hunting with the world. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Let's get into the episode. Well, hey guys, uh, welcome back to Hunter's Advantage Podcast, episode number 51. This is one that I have been wanting to do for a long while. Um, it's a the first of a three-part series of 2020 fall um, hunting season recap. We had a ton of stuff happening throughout the throughout the fall of 2021. We killed five bucks. Um, a few of those being on film, several does, and had an immense amount of missed opportunities and, and mess ups, and that's part of being a bow hunter. But I wanted to share those with you guys. So if you guys aren't familiar, we did a Quest video series. So the idea behind Quest is just the idea that um, bow hunting is a journey. It's a long and arduous journey. It's very hard at times, and we just want to share the reality of that. So we created the the Quest series on the Hunter's Advantage YouTube channel. You can go back and watch all the hunts that I'm talking about right now on the YouTube channel. So go check out Hunter's Advantage on YouTube, subscribe, and you'll be able to see all these videos that I'm talking about here. So to start out October for us, this is going to be a solo episode, by the way. It'll be me by, by myself, my Hunter's Advantage counterparts don't like podcasting and don't want to jump on. They're fine with me doing the videos and the editing, but they do not want to jump on the podcast. So just me this time. But so let's start out with an October recap. So like most Octobers, as a postgraduate uh, college student, I uh, I had to go to a couple weddings in October. So for all my friends that are listening to this and still doing October weddings, uh, that's messed up and I don't appreciate it. But <laughs> it's it's whatever. Um, but anywho, the first two weeks of October were pretty exciting for the crew. Uh, I had bought a uh, a couple or paid for a week of guided hunts over in western Oklahoma, near Sealing, more specifically in a in a little town called Taluga for any of my Oklahoma resident residents. But um, I paid for two weeks of guided hunting over there and was hoping to harvest a buck over there. Uh, me and my buddies were spending several uh, weeks hunting public land, so I went out on a Wednesday to hunt over at Jesse Bloomer's at Bloomer's Outdoor Adventures in Toluca. Uh, me and Jesse spent um, the first morning together out on a wheat field in one of his properties. If you've been bow hunting or hunting long enough, you know that wheat in the morning so is kind of an interesting situation. Deer are usually feeding all night on that wheat and going back to bed in the morning. So you usually want to catch them coming off that food at night, going back to the bedding area. So being on the food in the morning is, is kind of odd, but there's usually a few oddballs out, um, you know, on that wheat. And so that's what happened this morning. As the as the sun was coming up on the first weekend, or the second weekend of October, um, I saw a nice rack coming towards me. And ended up being a about a 19 inch wide three year old who had ten three year old ten point that had about three or four inch tines, and it was kind of weird because he had a great frame, so he's like pretty impressive, but his actual tine length was just just terrible, and 
Jesse was like, Hey, uh, you know, I've seen much better deer out here. Let's, let's kind of hold off or something, you know, a little more mature and maybe something with a little bit bigger of a rack. So I, I did that and that was fine with me. But, uh, as the morning kind of dwindled on, I wanted to harvest a deer, you know, it's kind of, it's what happens every summer, right? You're shooting your bow, you know, every day or every other day or something. And you just really want to shoot your bow at something like you want to shoot a deer. And so this is usually when most of my doe harvest come from is like early to mid October is because I really just want to harvest something. I want to get more venison. I want to shoot my bow. So that's exactly what we did. We had a, uh, we had a mature doe come into, what was she? 26 yards. And so she came into 26 yards. I dialed my pin on her. Um, got it on actually at 4k 60 FPS. So it's some actually really sweet slow-mo footage. And that's on the YouTube channel in quest episode one. And I smoked this dough. Um, she was cornering away slight or cornering two slightly. So I did hit only one lung, but she ran about 75 yards and it took her a minute, but she ended up falling over and just right there. So, you know, this is my first or second time of the year hunting and we're already off to a fantastic start great shot i know my bow's working i know my setup's deadly so i've I'm running through with a lot of optimism um, going into the season and so just fast forward um after we harvested that doe got her out of the field i got her processed of course it's one of those october things where it's still 85 or 90 degrees during the day which it just sucks because you're wanting to wear long sleeves you want it to be fall but it's just not and that's kind of what was happening here so with that outlook of knowing that the it's still really hot the deer are not moving till right before dark you know jesse was like hey uh we'll try to get you a, a you know a good buck this weekend but just the odds of uh or this week it was actually the end of the week when we were hunting um but the odds are just low just because the gosh it's just so hot that time of the year and so he put me in a blind, um, and actually a redneck blind, which I'd never hunted in a redneck before, but, um, absolutely loved the redneck blind. It's like hunting out of a, a freaking luxurious one bedroom hotel room. Like it's incredible. You can watch, you can watch movies on your phone. You got windows you can open on any side. Um, no wind can get in if you want. It's really an awesome setup, but he set me up in one of those and, his buddy, the week uh, previously, had shot at a deer that we were actually going after. Um, that deer was a... That deer ended up being... Uh, it got hard, I know this because it hard, got harvested by the neighbors later in the year during rifle season. But that deer was a 141-inch uh, 7-point with 14-inch G2s. So for you know the bow hunters that listen to the podcast, you know how long a 14 inch g2 is that's just incredible for a deer so we're talking about if it has uh eight points you know 150 inch plus deer but ended up scoring 141 but he shot at this deer at 35 yards and got ducked so i don't know what it is about these big mature deer but as you know as fat and as lazy and unathletic as these deer look they, they end up being some of the most athletic and this deer ducked him pretty bad at 35 yards. So uh, that deer got away, ended up living through and getting harvested in late November. But anyways, that's the deer that I was in there after. There had been several really good eight points that had showed up with that deer. 
And, you know, a good by a good 8-point, I mean 130-inch plus 8-points. I mean, these are very solid, very mature, big-bodied, corn-fed deer, one that I'd be really happy to harvest. So I was going in after that 7-point, but um, with the, the idea of if any nice, mature 8-point comes out, I'm, I'm going to take it. So I'd sat there the whole evening. Um, it was in like a 90-degree day. And as soon as I got sat down, I mean, like less than 10 minutes after I got sat down, I had a 110 inch eight point run right by the freaking blind. And it's like 90 degrees. Like I'm wiping the sweat off my forehead and I see this deer run white, right by the blind. I'm like, Oh oh my gosh, what is that? And I see that it has like decent horns and I pull up my binos that run fast, runs past me. It's just a, you know, nice solid eight point. Uh, it's got a kicker coming off the base and I, I knew it's not one I wanted to harvest, but it was really cool and kind of set the tone for, that particular evening and so i'm sitting there and right before dark it's pretty slow deer movement right before dark i look down in this bottom um because we're hunting in between several different wheat fields and there's these really mature timber bottoms and i just see this big buck coming out of the bottom and he's he's a big eight point wide frame he's heavy um he's got you know pretty good time length probably 10 inch g2s and i don't know seven inch g3s and four or five inch eye guards so just a solid buck all the way around you can tell how mature he is by the other bucks that are with him as he's walking out um they're two or three year old deer and, and this deer was definitely very mature this and i have the video footage of the deer in quest uh episode one in the youtube channel so if you want to get a look at him you can definitely check that out but he comes strutting up and you know, I'm in this redneck. I don't know how to hunt this redneck very well. So I've got the the corner um, long, really uh, vertically long window uh, propped open. And I'm just waiting for him um, to come into my shooting lane. And so I'm waiting. And as soon as I see him go behind a little piece um, of my front window, I draw back. And when I draw back, I start, I see him start to come into my view in that vertical window, and he's at 31 yards. So, I've shot many deer at 30 yards, and I know 30 yards is a, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a poke. It's out there a little ways, but 30 yards for someone that shoots their bow pretty often and is proficient is a very ethical shot. And... So the deer's walking out at 31 yards. Um, I tried to do a little bit of a grunt stop because if, if you've ever hunted out a redneck, you know that these these side these very tall vertical side windows, there's not a lot of you don't have a lot of margin um, before the deer just walks out of like shooting range. And so I had my camera set up in that right side window, so I know if he gets past this this lane, I'm not gonna be able to shoot because. I got my tripod sprawled out. I've got all that stuff happening um, on my uh, on my right side window. So I let him walk into the shooting range, shooting lane, and I try to stop him. I'm like, he doesn't stop. And I'm like, man, gosh dang! Like he's walking very slowly, but slow enough where I'm like, man, I really don't want to shoot. Like I don't want to shoot while he's taking steps, but eventually he's about to walk out of my uh he's about to walk out of my shooting lane so i just held pretty low probably two or three inches above 
the the bottom of his belly so just a little bit above the white fur on his belly and I shot and my left and right is perfect you know right behind the shoulder and you watch in the footage this deer ducks like no deer I've ever seen duck before his chest goes from you know two foot off the ground to touching the ground by the time my arrow gets there and what's even crazier that you'll see in the footage is the arrow is probably 10 yards away from him and he still hasn't started to move. He still has not started to, to, to move. And he ducks, and I watch that arrow sink right behind the back, like right behind the shoulder, super high, right in the back strap. And it pokes out like a freaking shish kebab. And I, I'm just devastated. And I just think, man, I rushed my shot. Um, I shouldn't have shot him while he was walking. And I just thought that was the reason. I didn't realize until I went back and, you know, re-looked at the footage that this deer had ducked um, just substantially, which absolutely sucked. We went and looked for blood that night, did not find a single speck of blood, not one. Did not find my arrow either, and my arrow is... You know, it's a backstrap hit. Like, this arrow should come out very quickly because he's running through a lot of very tick, thick timber. And I just, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to find the arrow. It's going to open up. Maybe I got a an artery running below the backstrap. But, you know, we backed out. Watch the footage on the big screen. I was not very encouraged. Um, there was a little bit of a downward angle on the shot. So Jesse felt like uh, maybe I had clipped an artery or maybe I had actually gotten into the cavity and got one lung. I didn't have nearly as much uh, enthusiasm as he did, but you know, nonetheless, we went back in the morning and checked and couldn't find any blood. So we walked to the nearest fence, probably 300 yards away from where I'd shot the deer and found blood on the fence, like right, right on our side of the fence. The deer ran up the fence and kind of done a little bit of a zigzagging pattern and Jesse had told me that he had had several deer in the past that are, you know, a lot of times when they're really hurt, they'll run to that fence and they're not, they're not able to get over it. And so that was a, uh, that was an issue. We never saw where he crossed the fence or saw where he went back into the property, but we knew that we didn't get him. Um, the blood was not fatal. There was not any bubbles in the blood. There wasn't an immense amount of blood where we feel like, oh, this deer bled out. Um, so that was uh that was my first first encounter of the downhill slide of of the 2020 bow season because it, it gets a lot better than that but um after i shot that deer and, and he ducked me pretty good um within a week we had had him back on camera with a you know a big two inch slash that had healed over um, right behind his shoulder but thankfully that deer survived Sometimes deer duck you. Oh, excuse me, guys. Um, sometimes deer just duck, and it's out of your control. I aimed about as low as I felt comfortable aiming, and I would never aim below a deer, so he just ended up ducking me, and he got me pretty good. So that that really sucked. But so after the first three days of bow hunting, that Wednesday, that Thursday, and that Friday, I had shot a doe. And shot at that big eight point at uh, at Jesse Bloomer's house, at Bloomer Outfitters, and so I'm already one for two on the season, 
hate to start out that way, especially on a big buck like that. But that had happened to me, and, you know, it stinks. It is what it is, but thankfully that deer survived. Um, moving on, me and uh, me and Jake Gaylord, um, someone that you'll see on, on the channel quite a bit, and you'll see him in uh, Quest Episode 2, um, we, we were going to hunt some public land in southeast Oklahoma. So there's a, an immense amount of public land in southeast Oklahoma, hundreds of thousands of acres, very few towns where people inhabit, more than a, a few hundred people. So it's pretty pretty low pressure. People from the state do come all around the state and other states like Arkansas come in and hunt, but, um, you know, relatively low pressure. So we had agreed to meet up there on, on Friday night and hunt Saturday and Sunday and then head home. So we did just that. You know, after I'd shot that buck and that doe, we met up. Um, at this time, we were still sleeping in our trucks and living off like water and Cheetos. So I was, <laughs> it's not an immensely, uh, it's not a very great environment to go into hunt when you've already drove up from Austin, Texas to Toluga, which is eight hours and then back across the state, like three and a half, four hours to Southeast Oklahoma to hunt. And you're living off very little uncomfortable sleep and Cheetos and water because everything closes at eight o'clock and you can't go get anything to eat. So I'm already not in the best mind, you know, state of mind. I'm like upset about this deer I just shot at Jesse's, and so I, I. Anyways, we move in and Jake had hunted that first weekend in October down in Southeast Oklahoma. What had happened during that first weekend is Jake ended up shooting a hog. Um, he killed the hog, and then we ended up moving deeper back into this piece of public on a, a newer clear cut where Jake, you know, had seen a few deer kind of working and decided, Hey, that might be a little bit better of an area than we're hunting now. So as we were seeing deer very consistently in the first spot on that on public land, but we wanted to move a little deeper. So we did just that. Uh, Jake and I went in on the second weekend of October. Let me get you an exact date of when this you know, when this was, uh, just for my memory's sake too. So it would have been the 10th, the 10th of October. And we push back in there. And typically we underestimate the amount of time it takes to get a mile back in on public. Like, especially when you've got stands hanging off your back and climbing sticks and camera gear and your bow and all those things. So you're, you're carrying 45, 50 pounds of gear in and it gets sweaty, and you don't want to sweat a ton because down there the wind tends to swirl a little bit, so you kind of want to take it low and slow, but you also don't want to wake up super early. So we were running late. Um, now, we don't really usually run very late, but on this particular morning we're running pretty late. So as it's starting to get uh, light outside, we find a tree. It's like one of the only trees in that area that doesn't have a ton of crap coming off of it, uh, little branches in, in the bottom. So, and it's pretty straight and it's in a pretty open part of this clear cut. So we're like, Hey, let's try out this tree. You know, the sun is coming up. It was just in a little bit of that gray light time. And, uh, we're like, man, we got to get up in this tree. So Jake, go ahead and Jake goes ahead and uh, gets up in his climber and climbs all the way up, probably 20 feet up. And I set up my, uh, out on the limb shikar climbing sticks, set four of them up. I get up, I put my little vantage, um, hang on, on, and this, this is a, another out on a limb 
tree stands and it's like a micro stand only weighs like eight pounds but the seat on it's pretty small and the platform is very long and narrow and so i just decided hey i'm gonna stand up this hunt so i took my safety harness and my lineman's belt and i stood up and made like a makeshift saddle like i was standing on the platform i had my lineman's belt around the tree and hooked up to my harness and i was kind of just standing on the saddle or on the the hang on and I wasn't uh, putting a ton of pressure on it, like hanging off. I know that's dangerous. I was just standing up. So we're sitting there, and it's taken us 20 minutes to get all our camera gear set up, get the camera arm up on the tree and get everything set up. So it took us a little while, and we were, were kind of noisy getting up. It's just kind of the nature of the beast on setting up in the mornings. It sucks. But so we got up there, and you know, just as the sweat is starting to dry, I look over. I don't even hear this deer coming. I look over. And there's a a really solid um, nine pointer. At first, I think he's an eight pointer, but after looking at the footage, I know that he's a he got a little nub to make him a nine point. But he uh, he comes walking about forty yards away to the left of us, and I I I see the pace that he's walking with, and I just realize like. Jake was in the in the hot seat. Like Jake was going to be one shooting, and I was going to be filming. But this deer is going to be out of range, and, and he's going to be into the back into the thick stuff before I can get Jake's attention. And so, I just start drawing my bow. I had my bow in my hand, so I get the camera on him and I start drawing my bow. As I'm about halfway through my draw, I hear Jake go, "Buck, buck, buck," and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Because I'm looking at the buck and I'm literally in draw, and I had as this deer, the first time the deer stepped out, I arranged him, and it had said thirty yards. And you know when you're looking at a deer and your rangefinder is saying something that you know is not right, but you want to trust it because you're like, man, I'm a human, my eyes have distortion and, and issues with depth perception. So I hit him with the rangefinder and it says thirty. I'm like, nah, there's no way. So right before I shoot, I range him again. And it says 30 again. And I'm like, dang, okay, I guess he's 30. I know he's farther than that. But I'm going to shoot him for 30 because my rangefinder, um, I just feel like my rangefinder is right. So I shoot and feel about six inches under his belly. And I'm like, gosh, dang it, man. So I've already shot a buck. He's ducked me. Didn't find him. We know he's alive. And now I just shot at a deer and missed it. A chip shot because my rangefinder's telling me the wrong range. Well, the deer trots out to like 75 yards. And I have an HHA Optimizer Tetra bow sight. And it can go down to like 86 yards is the max range. And, you know, I don't, I don't advise people to be shooting 80 yards had a deer but i had just missed this deer he runs up there 75 like nothing has happened and stops and at 75 yards so this deer's at 75 yards and jake's calling out the range to me right like jake's saying 80 and then he's saying 70 and then as i get drawn back and i got my you know i got my uh my bow drawn and my my sight dial jake's like 75 I'm like, okay. So I squeeze that shot off. And this time I know where he is. I know what range he is. And 
I hammered this deer at 75 yards. I hit him perfectly. Like, exactly where I want to hit a deer. And you just hear like a smack. And I, I noticed immediately on the shot that I hit him exactly where I want to, but I didn't get a ton of penetration. I probably got eight inches of penetration. So I know the shot's exactly where I want it. I didn't great, get great penetration, but the shot is perfect on placement. So we get down. Jake and I get down about an hour and a half later. And we can't find the arrow at first. And so, you know, when you get excited on a deer, like you're running around trying to find blood, trying to find the arrow, and you're not really taking it very slow. Well, after walking like a half mile one direction, I came back and like, I'm just going to try to find the arrow. Well, I find the arrow and it has about eight inches of penetration like I thought. And, but that eight inches is just coated with blood. My rage is completely open. It's deployed. So I know I got a good deployment on my broadhead. And the deer, um, this blood trail is just a leaker. Like, it looked like you took um, two water bottles, filled them up with red paint, and poked holes in the tip of the bottle and just squeezed and walked. Like, it looked like you're pouring it out of a bucket. And immediately I'm like, man, this blood trail is, like, solid. So Jake and I, we trail this deer for about... Uh, about 175 yards and he had went down into a creek bottom immediately back up the creek bottom and the whole way he's bleeding and he's slowing down on the way up and so we come up on another clear cut and when we get in this next clear cut it's a little bit more mature so the grass is probably six feet tall and I just know hey like this deer is going to be in this grass because he is hit really hard and he's leaking blood. There's no way he can make it that much farther. Well, we walk up, and the first step I take in that grass, that deer stands up at five yards. And he's bigger than I remembered. Granted, he was at five yards, so um, it was it was hard to tell. But when he jumped up, I saw he had a great spread at good time length. And I'm like, this is crazy. So I draw my bow back. And uh, he's running off, trotting through the woods. And that was that. We we went back and we, we backed out. And what we realized is that deer was probably a single lung hit. And we waited, you know, close to two hours. But a deer can live five or six hours on a single lung hit. Easy. If, if we never would have tracked him and pushed him like we would have like we did it may have been a different story but we went back we got lunch came back and jake's trying to keep me in high spirits and i called a couple different friends and they're trying to do the same thing but i I just knew i knew when you jump a deer like that a couple things happen their adrenaline starts going so you know they're not going to stop they're taking longer leaps because they feel like something is physically chasing them. So the blood trail is more sparse, you know. And so we went back to the spot of last blood. Uh, we kept tracking and got that stuck a couple times. And it went from, 
you know, puddles and pools to pin drops. And we tracked that deer another 450 yards. And he eventually crossed a road. And where he crossed the road, there was not a speck of blood. So, it really sucks about that story is the likelihood of that deer still being alive is very, very low. I am very, very positive that that deer is dead and I didn't do everything I could have to be a good steward and to respect the animal like it deserved. Like I should have gave that deer more time probably shouldn't have taken a shot that far away even though it ended up being a good shot and I should have been using a little bit better equipment um, you know in, in my rangefinder because the thing just you know I, I blew a chip shot and you know took a Hail Mary and didn't end up working out so that's just a testament to how tough the white-tailed deer is the resilience the will to live that they have and it was just, it was absolutely insane. Uh, it really shook me up. Um, when I was driving home, I had a good conversation with my buddy Jake Ayers about, you know, deer and, and practice and shot choices and just kind of how deer hunting ends up playing out a lot of times. And I was just really, really down. You know, I missed 260 inches of of bone, you know, of nice mature deer that, uh, that week in a single weekend, especially in the second weekend of season, I was just pretty low and didn't really want to get out very much. You know, when you wound deer like that, you really kind of just want to stay at home. Like you don't want to go because you feel like, Hey, the tags that I have allotted to me, I've already used them in a way shooting at deer and I didn't seal the deal. So I'm not like worth going out and, you know, possibly doing it again. So your confidence gets a, it takes a really big blow. And mine definitely took a big one after that weekend. And I was really upset about it. And after several good nights sleep, reviewing footage, um, you know, determining that one of the shots was not my fault and that the other one was my fault, but should have been what was lethal. I just realized I learned a few things that weekend. And it sucks you have to learn. Um, you have to learn with the life of an animal at stake. That's just bow hunting, and that's what we go through as bow hunters. You know, sometimes you make the right shot and it doesn't work. Sometimes you don't make the right shot and the deer drops immediately. So that's the mystical part of bow hunting. I was down, like I said, I was down for for several good days, but you know, good friends and, uh, the pursuit of an animal always gets you back out there. So let's fast forward to the next weekend. After that roller coaster weekend, um, I documented all this in quest episode one on the hunters advantage YouTube channel, all of the hunts I just talked about the doe, the big eight and the eight in Southeast Oklahoma. Those three are all on that one video. And so fast forward to the next weekend, I was so tired on that weekend, uh, the first weekend, second weekend of October, that I had to stop and get a hotel room on the way home and sleep. Like, I was hallucinating on my way home. There was traffic. I was getting super frustrated with it. And I literally had to stop and get a hotel room. So my life, as you can probably tell, was not very happy with me, and I wasn't very happy with myself. 
So I had agreed with her that I was not going to go hunting the next weekend. That I was going to get some rest. I was going to heal back up. And then I would go the following weekend. Well, like all good friends do, uh, Jake was going back to hunt Southeast Oklahoma the next weekend. And he, he, our buddy Peyton was going to come along as well. So if anyone knows anything about my friend Peyton, uh, he's very, uh, persuading and by persuading, I mean, he tells you what you're going to do. And he says it so enthusiastically that you really kind of want to do it. So he's like, come on, uh, you know, quit pouting. You guys, you need to quit pouting about it and just, just come back and, you know, shoot another one. Well, Lauren was headed out of town (laughs) that weekend and I was like, man, I really don't want to make the drive, but like, what's better sitting at house and sitting at the house and doing nothing or or going out hunting. So I was like, man, screw it. I'm going to go do it. So I'd made the six hour drive from Austin to Southeast Oklahoma. Once again, after a crappy weekend, the weekend before, and the luck started turning around for us. So we, Jake ended up going back to the place where I had shot that buck. Um, and he sat there. I went in and hunted a new spot, probably four or 500 yards from there. Just a spot that looked pretty good on the map. And then Peyton went, you know, farther down from Jake. So we were triangulated, you know, might be separated by less than half a mile, all of us. But we were hunting in there, and the first morning I had something walk by at, at daylight that I or at dawn that I could not tell what it was, so I let it pass. Then I ended up seeing a couple of does and a four point. So I was like, "Hey, you know, getting out here, it's tough to find deer. Just seeing deer, it you know, makes me happy." So I got down, I walked over to Jake's stand, and Peyton didn't have Onyx or anything, so he's purely like navigating off of his navigation skills and his reminder or his memory of where he had walked in in the morning so that was kind of sketchy jake and i get down and i'm like how's it going and he's like i shot one i'm like no way no way you shot one he's like yeah a good eight you know good eight pointer i'm like oh my gosh no way he's like yeah uh where's carol we need to go look i tracked this blood um i tracked this blood about 200 yards and now I tracked the blood 200 yards, and I threw my arrow and my bow down, and now I need your guys' help tracking because it's starting to get worse. And so we're waiting on Peyton. We're sitting on a rock, and Jake's starting to get a little frustrated because he's getting antsy because he just shot a deer. He thought he'd found it in 200 yards, and we haven't found it yet. Uh, Peyton's taking forever. We think maybe he either fell out of his climber or he's sleeping in his climber. And um, Jake's telling me about the shot. He said he was you know, up probably 15 or 20 foot shot directly down at this deer because this deer was right under his tree stand. And so he shot at the deer. He said he made a good hit. It was high, but the angle was so steep that he felt like it was really solid. And so I'm like, okay, this, this sounds really good. He's telling me about the blood trail. Well, Peyton shows up when Peyton shows up. We're like, how'd it go for you? And he's like, missed one. And we're like, no freaking way. Like Jake, Jake shot one, I saw some, and Peyton's missed one. Like, it's been a, a good morning, except for Peyton. And he's like, yeah, it's a, a nice eight point with a uh, a broken off G3. And Jake's like, no, you're lying. And he's like, no, huh? it was a broken eight point. A broken off G3 is probably like a seven point. And Jake and Peyton start realizing 
that they've shot at the same deer. Peyton shot at this deer, and it started blowing. And Jake said that the deer's as the deer's blowing, it's running up to where he's at. So Peyton had shot at this deer. He his his bow, his lower cam of his bow had hit the bottom of his climb or the top of his climber, and sent his arrow about ten yards and ran off blowing and ran all the way three or four hundred yards directly under Jake's tree. And this is just the craziest story. We're like, no freaking way that this has happened. We're it's a crazy story, so we're gonna confirm it when we find Jake's deer. Well, we run over to where Jake had last blood and we're walking up the blood trail and to be honest, it wasn't a great blood trail. Uh it was actually a pretty crappy blood trail. Um the the blood was like really dry. Granted, he had shot the deer probably like two hours before. So the blood's really dry and it's not a lot of it. Like it's kind of just drips and it's not consistent. And so we're walking, we're walking and Peyton's kind of going ahead, like just, you know, looking for more blood in front of us and, you know, poking up every couple of seconds looking for a body. Well, as we're doing that, Peyton's like right there. We're like, no way, because we at this point, we've never killed a deer on public. We've shot deer on public. We've thought we've made good shots, but it's, it's eluded us. We have not done it yet. And so this is a really symbolic deer for us because we haven't shot one on public yet and, and found it. And so we're like, man, we got to get we got to get this started. We got to get some better mojo in deer camp. And we walk up on it and Jake's got a nice eight pointer with a broken g2 just like carol just like carol said and he said as soon as peyton walks up to the deer sorry if i'm interchanging these names carol is peyton his name's peyton carol i call him carol and peyton so just for clarification but we walk up to the deer and peyton's like yep that's the deer and jake's starting to he's relaying the story of the deer coming in blowing and all this stuff well it was an awesome moment. We finally got a deer down on public, and I was just re- we were all just really excited about that. We were really excited until we had to th- until we had to drag it out 0.92 miles, so almost a full mile back to the truck. We literally Jake gutted it and we put it on a meat stick. You'll see that in Quest episode two. We literally put the deer deer on like a. 15 foot long meat stick and tied its legs like we're gonna roast a pig over a fire and we're walking through the woods and it's just freaking bobbing up and down we eventually walk the thing out 0.92 miles and get it back to the truck and we got the first buck of the season down you know as we're working to the end of november i ended up spending a little bit of time with my family in oklahoma and we had a week off in the first week of november to really get after them on public land. So despite starting October out in a really crappy place of shooting two deer, not recovering either of them, Jake was able to turn it around with a really good uh, liver shot on that deer, probably ran 350, 400 yards until it just croaked over. But uh, Jake was the one that got us out of the drought. Um like I said, that's on Quest Episode 2 on the Hunter's Advantage YouTube channel. But um, he got us out of the drought. And it was uh, that's kind of what started off this big spree of uh, harvesting a lot of deer. And 
So with that, that's the uh, that's the recap of our October. Um, it was a, a very eventful October. Um, shot several deer, um, found two out of four. So not the way you want to start out the season, but it's how it happened. Uh, I, I could lie and say it, it didn't happen, but it did. So let's let's own up to it. That's how it goes when you're trying to kill a, an animal with a sharp stick and a string. So, anywho, that's the that's the hunter's advantage October 2020 recap um, of all the deer we shot on public and private land, and it was an exciting time for us. And I'm gonna do a follow up follow up episode to this talking about our November. I'm gonna try to get Jake on because in November we harvested three bucks. 162 inch 10 point on public land, 131 inch 8 point on public land, and 125 inch private land 8 point, all in Oklahoma, all with a bow, all on video, super exciting stuff. So that's uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week of the Hunters Advantage podcast. That was episode number 51. Hey, I really appreciate it. Before you guys go, if you would go to the Hunters Advantage on YouTube and give us a thumbs up on the videos and subscribe to the channel it's only the start guys we're going to start filming and upping our production quality really committing to get out there more and to filming each other and i got a video editor for next season already so we're really going to pump up the production quality of the hunters advantage youtube channel and i'm really excited about that so anyways guys thanks for rocking with the podcast if you want to hear more of these recaps let me know. Send me a message on Instagram at Christian Babcock. If you hate the recaps, also send me a message on Instagram and I'll quit making them. But hopefully you guys don't feel that way. Anyways, thanks for listening to the Hunter's Advantage podcast, guys. I appreciate it and I'll see you guys in the next one.